Praise the Lord, everyone. It's great to be with you the Sunday after Easter today at Cedar Park, the sanctuary. We appreciate Pastor Mel Reddy and also Sister Lisa Reddy, your leaders, all of the ministers and faithful workers of the church. God bless you today. It's great to be in the presence of the Lord. And it's amazing how that God's presence is with us no matter where we go. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And of course, we've got families all across Cedar Park and the greater Austin metro area meeting together. And even if you happen to be alone today, well, thanks to technology, you're not really alone. We're still together. And I, I think the promise of the Lord Jesus Christ is still fulfilled. We're all wondering and perhaps a little worried, how long is this coronavirus pandemic going to last? When can we have church again in the regular fashion? Uh, and when is our business going to restart again? Many people are not able to work and those that are working are concerned about uh, the, the economy and rightly so. But I want to tell you that God is in control. Uh, none of us predicted this or knew about this or were prepared for this just a few weeks ago or a few months ago, but this didn't catch God by surprise. And I had the privilege of uh, preaching here at the sanctuary back in February, and uh, usually I come maybe once a year or so. So no, none of us knew I'd be back here so soon, but God knew God's in control. So we must believe that God has a plan, that God has a way, and that God's going to bring us through. And it's amazing what God is doing in the midst of all of this trouble. Uh, I have the opportunity as the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church International of hearing from literally around the world. We have over 42,000 churches. And here in the U.S. and Canada, our home base, we're approaching uh, 4,900 churches. So I get reports uh, directly through social media, through texts, through emails, calls. And uh, we, I will tell you, we've had several ministers pass away overseas, in, one in Italy, uh, three in Ecuador. We've had several pass away here in the United States. But I'm also here to tell you there are many, many victory reports. Over the last few weeks, we've had several get to the point of death, even young people, young ministers, and God has brought them through with a genuine miracle. Of course, we appreciate the help of medical science, so doctors and nurses and, and hospitals, uh, ventilators have been uh, a great aid in many of these cases. But even when the doctors have done their best and have said, we don't think there's any hope, we already have testimonies where God has brought the person back from death's door, back from a coma, and God, we give God the praise. And some might say, well, it's, it's all just a coincidence or luck or uh, it's all due to the efforts of, of medical personnel. And certainly we don't discount the good that they're doing, but we simply say God can use all these means. And while we appreciate what medical science can do, our faith is not in people. Our faith is not in procedures. Our faith is in God. And we're thankful to God for what he's doing. So already we have wonderful testimonies of deliverance. And it's also amazing that in this time, many people are turning their thoughts to the Lord. And so I'm getting good reports of pastors who are telling me that people are coming to them asking for Bible studies, some by Zoom. 
people are coming. Uh, and of course, they're not coming in large crowds because of the regulations, but people are coming by ones and twos to come and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ in water. And people are receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit when they're prayed for. And many churches have seen their online presence escalate. And many churches have not really had an online presence, but all of a sudden they've been forced to do it. But yet God is giving them an opportunity. And we're seeing thousands of people turn their hearts to the church and to hear the message of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit many times for the first time in their lives. Maybe they've never come into a Christian church or if they've come into a Christian church, they've never visited a Pentecostal or apostolic church where the power of the Holy Spirit is emphasized and explained. But they're seeing it for the first time. They're hearing it for the first time. And you know what? God is moving in, in these online venues. And I want to challenge you right at the outset. Just because you're watching online, just because you're alone or with your family or just with two or three people, don't underestimate the power of God. God is a spirit. That means he can fill the universe. He's invisible. He's not limited to a human body. So you and I think in terms of physical bodily presence. But God is not so limited. He's omnipresent. That means he's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipotent. He's, that means he's all powerful. He can meet every need. He's omniscient. That means he's all wise and all knowing. He knows how to work with every situation. In Psalm 139, we see a magnificent, magnificent portrayal of the power of God in these dimensions. And the psalmist said, if I took the wings of the morning, in other words, if I flew to the unknown, we might say, if I went to outer space, you're still there. If I make my bed in hell, and here he was using the Hebrew shield or the place of the dead, the grave. He said, even if I go to the grave, you're there because God is able and will raise us up at the last day. So no matter where we go, where can I go that I would be outside your presence, the psalmist said, and in essence, nowhere. And even before I was born, when I was conceived in my mother's womb and when I was being formed as the unborn child, you knew me then and you had plans for my life even back then. And so the psalmist gives this ringing affirmation that God knows each of us by name. He knows each of us individually. He has a plan for each of our lives. He's working in each of our lives. So no matter what the circumstances, no matter where we are physically, no matter how, the gospel is coming to us. We can have confidence that the Lord is working in our lives. He has a plan for us. He wants to reach us. He wants to touch us. So believe the Lord today at the outset of my message. I want you to believe that God is going to speak to you personally, that you're going to feel the presence of God. And that when you respond in prayer and worship, you're going to receive something from God. God will confirm his word with signs following. Praise the Lord. Oh, we ought to worship him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm getting wonderful reports from all over the world and here in the United States of how God is moving by his spirit. I'll, I'll share a few of those. I'd like to give a testimony. I'll be generic. So this is some, some years ago. I was in a large nation that I won't identify because I hope to go back. 
Uh, and it's a very tightly controlled nation where most religious activity and most Christian services are prohibited. And we have many thousands of believers that we directly are connected with and others of uh, the, the same faith that we can't connect as an official organization, but yet we hear the testimonies. Uh, we read about some of them and sometimes are able to contact them. And so we believe there, there are millions of people in this nation who are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, worshiping God in spirit and in truth. So I've had the privilege over the years to, to visit, to teach minister seminars or leadership seminars. We've had to be very discreet uh, and take precautions. And I won't go into all the details of those, uh, but I will say that I've baptized some people in the hotel bathtub. I've waded out into a river uh, far away from others so that if anybody could even see us, they would think we were swimming and baptize people. Uh, we've climbed up a mountain to get away from anybody else, found a mountain stream and baptized people there. And so where there's a will, there's a way, and especially when it comes to the things of God. But I recall one time meeting with a large group of leaders from all parts of the country, and many of them represented multiple house churches in, in a city, uh, as much as maybe overseeing as much as 50 house churches. And these were mostly young adults, uh, young men, young women, who were in, the, were in the position of pastors and overseers of pastors, overseers of multiple house churches. And yet, because of their restrictions, they had to work very carefully. They had to support themselves by secular jobs. Many of them had advanced education, master's and doctor's degrees. They were in various professionals, uh, profession, professions, um, educators and uh, doctors and engineers and so forth. Um, and so they, they had a lot to lose or a lot at stake in their society. If they were discovered, uh, they could lose their job, they could be arrested, they could be fined. Uh, it could alter their life. And so every time they came to church, they were taking a risk. They had to come discreetly by twos and threes, meet in small groups, keep their voice down, keep their worship down. Or in, in the special times that we would meet, we would have to choose remote locations or we would have to choose venues where we could rent out the facility and have some discretion, some privacy. And so going through all those precautions, you could feel a certain sense of oppression or limitation or restriction. And you would wonder, how can we really serve God like that? Now, of course, I, as a foreigner, could come and be under that regime for a short time, and then I could leave and be free. But what about the people that this was their life, this was their ministry, this was their destiny? They couldn't really go anywhere to be free from that. You might think people under those circumstances would be very depressed, very discouraged, maybe even question God. God, we're trying to serve you. We're trying to do a work for you. Why would you allow this to happen? And, and you might uh, sense uh, that, that they would be very uh, troubled and their faith would be very limited. It would be a struggle just to serve God, much less try to work for God and, and uh, share the gospel with others in such a hostile environment. And I'm sure these people were just like us. Um, they're, they're not superhuman. Uh, they weren't super spiritual heroes of faith in the sense of unlike ordinary people. So I know they had their struggles, their tests, their trials. But I was very impressed uh, with this point. After the teaching and preaching, when it came time for prayer, 
they would present their requests and ask me to pray. None of them were focused on why is this happening and the trials are so terrible and the restrictions are so awful and we're in fear and pray that we will survive and pray that we won't get caught. Certainly that was part of their prayer. But what they wanted me to pray for as a leader, as a guest and visitor, the first thing they wanted, they, want, they asked for boldness and discernment to witness. They knew that every time they talked to someone who was not a, of the church, uh, that they could be taking a risk, that they could be discovered, reported to the authorities, and penalties would, would come. And so they weren't refusing to witness. They weren't praying to be hidden or to be safe exclusively, they were praying for God to give them discernment to know who to talk to, who not to talk to, and to God, for God to give them boldness to witness instead of just shutting down their witness. Then the next thing they asked for was God to confirm his word with the accompanying signs, as we read in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark 16, 20. They prayed that God would do miracles because they were dealing with unbelievers, with atheists, with people of other religions, people of various superstitions. And they knew that just an intellectual conversation was not likely to convince them, especially when having faith in Jesus Christ meant a risk. And so how can you just talk someone into faith when there's so much at stake? But they knew that if they would talk with someone if they would pray with someone and then God would reveal himself in a miraculous way through a dream, through a vision, through speaking in tongues, through prophecy, uh, through uh, answering prayer such as healing someone who was sick or meeting an urgent need of someone uh, or letting them feel his presence in a very real and tangible way. They knew that would convince people that the message they preached was actually true, that the testimony they gave was real. And so they prayed for the power of the Holy Spirit. They prayed for miracles, signs, and wonders. I took the time to relate that to you because we are not in the same situation, but we are in an unusual situation where we feel restricted, we feel limited. Uh, there is some element of fear or concern or worry or doubt and and in the midst of that, it can be easy just to kind of hunker down and survive. It could be easy to say, why God? And, and it's legitimate to cry out to God in time of perplexity or time of trouble. But at the same time, we must have faith that God will hear. And in his own way, in his own time, he will answer. So I shared that testimony to encourage all of us. Whatever you're going through personally, whatever your family's going through, if someone you love or you yourself are facing sickness, possible death, economic crisis, as a nation and as a church, we're facing such uncertainty. And we wonder how this is all going to work out and when and how soon. But I want you to know in the midst of that, yes, we can bring our questions to God. Yes, we certainly should bring our requests to God. Yes, we should pray urgently for ourselves, for our friends, our loved ones, our church, our city, our state, our nation, our world. Yes, we should intercede on behalf of others. But in the midst of all that, we also need to have confidence. God is doing something wonderful. God is doing something great. God is doing something new. Whenever we go through a trial, 
God has something bigger in mind that we're going to come out of that trial with something new, something stronger, some new opportunity, some miraculous testimony. So I'm here to tell you, do not be discouraged. Do not live in fear. Do not live in worry. Do not let anxiety take over your soul. But it's time for us to believe God. It's time for us to say, Lord, if we have to go through the trial, then bring us through safely, but teach us, help us to grow, help us to expand, give us opportunities we've never had before, both personally and as a church. And if we pray with that kind of faith, God will hear an answer because God has a plan. God always has a plan. I'd like to read to you from a scripture in Isaiah chapter 43. I'm reading from the New King James. And of course, this promise that I'm getting ready to read was originally given to ancient Israel. It was in a particular context, particular circumstances, and we might ask, well, how do I know that that's relevant today? And I will simply say this, while the circumstances have changed and while the details may be different, I still believe that we can make an application. We can claim the promise. God is a God of principle. If he would treat his people in ancient times a certain way, then he's going to treat his people today by the same principles. We, as the church, are the people of God today. Israel was under the old covenant. We are under the new covenant. Israel was the physically called out and chosen people of God in the Old Testament as an instrument uh, to bless all the nations. But today, the church is God's chosen people taken from every nation, every tongue, every race, and brought together as one body. We are under the new covenant. We are the people of God. And I believe we can claim these promises for us today in our context as it would apply to us. And so with that in mind, let me read in Isaiah 43, verses 1, 2, and the first part of verse 3. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Now we, as I said, we are the people of God today. He says, I have called you by your na name. That means I know who you are. I know where you live. I know your address. I can deliver an answer to prayer right where you are. I know the situation that you're in. And then he gives promises. When you pass through the waters, when you pass through the rivers, when you walk through the fire, he says, I'm going to protect you. Now we're not immune from the trials of life as long as, as we are in this world, we're going to face a certain amount of trials until uh, we are glorified, until we're caught up in the rapture and the resurrection to be with the Lord forever. So we can't claim that we'll never have any difficulty or trial, but we can claim the promises of God. And as we go through the trial, we pray for God to give us grace to go through it for however long we have to go through it, for God to deliver us out of it. And until it's time for him to take us home, we can and should pray for healing, for deliverance, for miraculous deliverance, for protection. And even if it is our time to go, we still pray 
for the will of God. And we pray for God to heal, but if he does not, for God to implement his perfect will in our lives. So as a church, as a people, and even as families and individuals, we need to claim the promise. I may be walking through the flood. I may be having to cross the river. I may be walking through the fire, but God is with me. He's on my side. He has a plan for my life. He's not going to let me be destroyed. He's not going to let me be defeated. He's not going to let sin and the devil win, but he is going to keep me and he's going to bring me safely through the other side. Praise God. And the promise is based on him saying, I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He says, I am the one true God, but not only am I the God who created you, the God of the universe, the Holy One, the high and lofty one. The Holy One means the pure and perfect one, the transcendent one, the one who is separate from us as sinners. But then he turns right around and says, I'm your savior. I'm the one who came in flesh, who lived among you, who participated in the sufferings of human life, who laid down my human life as a sacrifice in order to redeem you. I'm your redeemer. I'm your savior. And so we have that promise. So I want to assure you today, we're going to make it. We're going to come through as a church and we're going to come through individually. God's on our side. He has a plan for our lives. He's working in our midst. We have his divine favor. He knows us by our name. We have divine protection, divine deliverance, divine healing. We should claim it in prayer, in faith, in Jesus' name. And we should claim it for ourselves, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, even people that may not know the Lord. We can have a positive influence. People can turn to us in question and we have the opportunity to share our faith, to share our testimony of what God has done, to share our prayers, and then they can participate in the same benefits because of our intercession. But that's not my only point today. I want to skip down to verse 19 and see another promise. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And here's my main point today. And here's my title. A new thing. God is not wanting us merely to survive. God wants us to thrive. We should not merely hold the fort. We should aggressively take new territory for the name of Jesus Christ. It's time for the church to shine. Think about it. In our society right now, the major venues of entertainment are shut down. People that would go to sports arenas can't go there right now. People that would go to bars or movie theaters or, or even restaurants just to get away, just a, a place of amusement, whether it's wholesome or not wholesome. Almost all areas or venues of entertainment or amusement are shut down. But the message of the church is going strong. Online, individually, small groups, God is moving by his spirit. What an opportunity. And as I mentioned a, a few minutes ago, we're seeing testimonies of more people seeking out the church than ever before. More people being exposed to the ministry of the gospel. 
and of the ministry of local churches. And this is true here, even at Cedar Park, the sanctuary. You've had more people visit online than you've ever had come to church before. And I have to believe that among those, there is a harvest. We will not likely reap everyone who stopped by for as much as a minute. But I am persuaded that there are many people that have visited and God is speaking to them. And even right now, you've never been to the church physically, but God is speaking. This is not a coincidence. What I'm saying is not an accident, but right now God is confirming his word through this message. And this is going to be an open door where you're going to personally turn to God because God is doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing for the sanctuary. You're never going to be the same. Oh yes, we know how limited this is. And we don't want people to stop coming to church. We don't want people to stop giving. When the restrictions are eased, we don't want people to think, oh, I can just sit back and watch online. I have no further responsibility or interest. No, I will say this. When we're prevented from doing the will of God as we really would like because of circumstances beyond our control, then God will make up the difference by his grace. So I think what we're seeing right now even though we cannot assemble ourselves together in the manner that we're accustomed to. And as the Bible teaches us to do, we're limited. We're still assembling, but we're limited. God understands the circumstances. It's not of our choice. It's forced upon us. And so God's grace always makes up the difference. And that's why the saints of God are strong even in the midst of trial. And that's why new people are being drawn to the church, even though the ministry may be restricted. But I do think it's very important that as we have opportunity to assemble together again, and as we have opportunity to resume all the activities that are important to us, that if we neglect those opportunities then God's grace will not be there to make up the difference. But if we seize the opportunities that we have now, and then as God opens the door, we renew the opportunities that God will give us, then we will find not only is God's grace sufficient for the current situation, but God will put his hand of anointing and give us a new thing that will far exceed the plans we had in January 2020 that will far exceed our expectations that will far exceed anything we could have planned or known about because God is doing a new thing Cedar Park Sanctuary the faithful members of the church and the leaders and the pastors I want you to take this promise God is going to do something that's never happened before in the history of your congregation and if you are a visitor or a newcomer or you are new in the faith or maybe you're watching online and you've never actually been to their church. I want you to claim the promise. I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I feel a prophetic word that God is wanting to do a new thing in your life. Don't neglect this opportunity. Don't just pass it by. It's not by accident that you've come. It's not by accident that you've watched and heard. But God is trying to penetrate the average existence. God is trying to cut through all the noise and the confusion and maybe the overwhelming uh, circumstances of life even before the pandemic. And God is trying to speak and say, I'm going to do something new. There's a new thing for you. There's an opportunity.
Let me share a testimony. We have many churches around the world. Uh, as I mentioned, over 42,000 churches that, with our particular organization, the United Pentecostal Church International, in 195 nations and 35 territories. One of our strong areas is all throughout Latin America. We have many large churches. And most of these national churches, they have their own national leaders. We have a global council where once every five years, the leaders get together from the various nations. We're supposed to have it here in St. Louis, Missouri, USA in November of 2020, the 75th anniversary of the formation of our organization. It's going to be a wonderful time by God's grace. But we have this large gathering or, or large number of churches from Latin America, and most of them have national conventions at the time of Easter because that's the time when people can get time off and gather from all parts of their country, meet in a large, say, a soccer stadium, for instance, or an auditorium, and uh, they could have 5,000, 10,000, as many as 35,000 people in some countries. Well, as you might expect through the current pandemic, all those meetings have been canceled. And so that's a great loss. So one of our evangelists decided to connect with one of our Spanish-speaking pastors here in the U.S. The, both the evangelist and the pastor are Spanish-speaking, and uh, they have a network, a very efficient, effective online network that they developed a number of years ago. So they decided to have special services online in Spanish for this Easter weekend. And let me share with you the results. As of Easter weekend, they had over 100,000 views or connections. Now, we understand that some people may have visited just for a few minutes, whereas others, a whole household or a small group may have been together. So we don't know how many individuals that represents, but what we do know is this. An appeal was given for people to repent of their sins. That, that is right where they were watching typically right there in their home, that they would cry out to God, ask God to forgive them of their sins, surrender their lives to God, make a decision that they wanted to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, to turn away from their old life, to start a brand new life. And then after repenting, that they would begin to worship and praise God, believe God, and express vocally, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And to expect that when they would start responding in faith, that God would fill them with his spirit, just as in the book of Acts. They would be, begin to speak miraculously in a language they never learned as a sign that God had filled them speaking in tongues. And 873 people reported that they had received the Holy Spirit for the first time through that online service. Another 347 reported that they had had this experience before, but they had drifted away, and through prayer, they were renewed in the Holy Spirit. 156 said they prayed for God to heal them of some specific illness or sickness or pain, and they found immediate relief. And then 122 said they wanted to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ and asked for someone to contact them personally. Look what the Lord has done. Despite the limitations, there has been a great response. God is doing a new thing. And I challenge you for the saying today, somebody needs to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, surrendering your heart in repentance. And once you have fully confessed your sin to God and asked God to forgive you and 
given your life to the Lord, you should raise your hands and begin to cry out, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. And if someone is nearby, they can worship with you. In a few minutes, you too can receive the Holy Spirit, begin speaking in tongues, and you can let us know what God has done. Or maybe you've drifted, or, or maybe you've grown cold, or, or maybe just through the current time of not being able to attend church, you feel like you're losing something. I want you to know you can be renewed. You can be strengthened and encouraged right now. Call upon the Lord. If you've never been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, please contact the church, contact the pastors. We'll find a way to baptize you in Jesus' name. God will open the right door. If you need healing, if you need strength, if you need encouragement, if you need a new job, if you need God to supply a definite need, if you need God to work in your family, now is the time to call upon him. God is doing a new thing. Let's call upon him together in the name of Jesus, right where you are. Call on the Lord. Speak to him. He knows your name. He knows where you are. Call upon him in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we call upon you.